What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Patalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to episode 22 with David Tupin. I'm Frank Patalano, and I'm here with Jimmy Murray to help you crush your goals in real estate. So, guys, Really exciting person we're bringing on the podcast today. Um, typically, I joked with Frank earlier, we bring on real estate OGs, but uh, David Tupin is actually a real estate YG. So for you guys not familiar with the term, that's uh, original gangster and young gangster. Um, David's done some incredible things at a really young age. I thought that I was going doing really cool stuff when I was 23 and getting started investing in real estate. And uh, David's actually doing it at a tremendously higher level. And I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun listening in on this podcast. So David, welcome. What's up guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be Absolutely. fun. Thanks for being on. So uh, let's dive right in. I mean, how old are you now, by the way? Uh, so I'm 24, currently just nice. turned 24. Awesome. And at the, uh, you started investing at the ripe old age of what? Um, I was 19 turning 20. Awesome. That's college, killer. Yeah. Absolutely college. killer. Why don't you tell us about that deal? I think people will love that. Oh, so I think like a lot of people, man, I, I got my start. I've always had this entrepreneurial bug and read rich dad and poor dad, listen to other podcasts and stuff. And, you know, for me, it was like, man, real estate just makes sense. I've got to do this. So, um, junior year of college, did a couple of internships turned all my job offers down that I had for I had a couple investment banking job offers coming out of college, turned them down, uh, went straight into investing, had no idea how I was going to make money. Um, I, you know, thought at first it was going to be wholesaling and flipping houses. So I started doing that for what about four or five, six months. And then I, I, I switched my focus and said, I think I'd made like, I didn't make a lot of money in wholesaling. I made like 20, 30 grand at that point. Yep. And um, I was like, man, I've got, a little bit saved up. I should just focus strictly on apartments because that's what I really want to do is commercial real estate. And um, so I was 20 years old and uh, I think this is what, this is in early 2017 and 2016. I started looking at apartment deals, analyzing them, just putting some basic spreadsheets together and running numbers. And I uh, had an offer accepted on a 12 unit apartment complex um, in Michigan where I grew up. Yeah. Oh uh, no, Frank, you didn't tell me about this. <laughs> <laughs> so David, you don't That's know, funny. but uh I'm an Ohio State alum, so I can't believe Oh you, boy. I, I right, can't believe just, you swore on the podcast. That's we funny. should just end it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um that's funny, man. Good so stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had put in offers and I was, you know, I said deals. And so I got this offer accepted on a 12 unit. And um at, at that point I was like, shit, what do I do now? You know, I don't have the money to buy this. I needed like 200 grand for down payment and some renovations. Um, I bought it for what, 40, 45 a door or something like that. Um, and, uh, I was a broke college student. I was taking full-time classes. I was taking like 18 credit hours and, you know, night classes and online. And I was working towards getting my degree. Uh, and then during the day I was working 80 hours a week trying to find deals and, and buy real estate. That's so, awesome. I had like six grand in my bank account uh, saved up from some of these internships and I knew I needed to raise money from investors. So um, before syndication became a hot topic, this is kind of like just started being talked about on podcasts and books and stuff like that. They barely had any books on syndication. So 
um, I had to kind of figure it out. I just heard about it, but so I had to talk to some SEC attorneys and figure out the PPM and operating agreement. These are documents you need to syndicate for people that aren't familiar. Um, and, and I just kind of had to figure out how to raise money to buy deals. That's awesome. I'm going to circle back to one point you made a couple minutes ago, but so you talked about how you're coming out of college and you had a couple of what sound like really dope offers from some investment banking institutions Mm -hmm. and you're turning them down, which is awesome, right? That you have that level Mm -hmm. of confidence in yourself, but what are some, some of the things you're hearing from your, your peers, your family at that point as you're turning down those offers? (laughs) Well, I don't know if it was confidence or I was just so naive. I didn't realize the risks in it. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's uh, worth it. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, to me, it was worth it. It's like, I'm just, I've got to do what I love. And I, I had developed a passion for real estate. Um, and I, those job offers were over six figures and I turned them down knowing that, you know, I, I don't know how much money I'm going to make in my first year. I might, right. you know, I ended up making like 20, 30 grand in my first year. And, you know, that was not, not anywhere near what I would have made if I stayed in a job. But I knew that eventually I'm a hard enough worker and that I'm persistent enough that I may not make a lot in my first year or two, but year three, four, five are going to be way better. So, um, so yeah, I mean, hearing from family, luckily my parents were supportive, but I think they, on the inside, they still thought I was crazy. Um, friends thought I was insane. Just so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) The people that even offer, like I turned down one of those job offers on the last day of the internship, uh, is the company called Deloitte. They're big four consulting firm. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, I turned it down on the spot and said, I'm going into real estate. And they're like, we've never heard anyone do that. (laughs) I've been here for 20 years and I've never had somebody turn us down on the spot. And I was like, well, first time for everything. (laughs) So um, so this 12 unit deal, was it, was it off market or was it on market? How did you, how did you find it? Yeah, I was listed with a broker. Uh, yeah. And it just, you know, I think it was off people's radars cause it's only 12 units and it wasn't in, it's in a C location. So it wasn't super desirable. Um, and you know, I, I, I paid, I, I didn't get a slamming deal. I got a decent deal. I think maybe like 90, 95% of uh, probably what market should have been at the time, but there was value add. And so I think I bought it for 560 grand a year later. I sold it for like six high six hundreds. Um, and we got, you know, our investors got a, a mid teen return. Um, so more importantly, so, you learned a lot. More importantly, I learned a ton. And you yeah. had a proof of concept. Proof of concept track record. Uh, yeah. And it, and I self-managed um, did a regional bank loan, self-managed it. Uh, I actually, at the same time, I bought another 12 units. My first deal is almost like two deals. I bought two 12 units on the same street. Uh, I closed in the same month. Um, and they were from two different brokers though. But so I essentially had 24 units on the street, uh, and, um, I self-managed both of those, which first thing I learned was never to self-manage again, which I ended up doing one more time after that. But, uh, uh, that was a pain, but I learned so much from self-managing. And from overseeing it, I mean, it was it was just a great experience. So I think I think the really cool part about this your story up front is that you're willing to trade time and experience for the dollars, right? So you talk about mm-hmm. you could have gone to Deloitte, made six figures plus. You make probably 20, 30 G's your first year. You don't make a huge return on the first deal, but now you have all this experience. And I think that's really important for people listening because way too often people are focused on the dollars and, oh, I want to make X number of dollars rather than, hey, let me get my feet wet. Let me take a bunch of action and, and see, see where I can go. Like, I'm not saying not to analyze the deal, 
but focus more on the experience and, and things that you're going to gain outside of just the dollars. And I think that's huge from the stories that you're telling right now. Dude, 100%. You're so right. Everyone focuses on short-term dollars and they focus on, uh, right now, at least in multifamily, they're focusing on doors. What I tell yep. people is the fact that I went and did a 12 unit and a 12 unit and barely made any money personally on our investors did well, but I barely made any money personally on these. Uh, but the experience I gained allowed me to then go and I bought a hundred unit after that. Right. And I would never yeah. have been able to do that if I had just thought about doors and done like 150 unit and got like a quarter of a percent ownership for raising a couple hundred grand or whatever, which you're really not allowed to do anyways. But, um, you know, if, if I had just been a small piece of a bigger team and gotten a small piece in like a really huge deal, cause I wanted more, you know, doors was more important to me than figuring it out and doing it the right way. Like I wouldn't be where I am because I learned so much. I literally wrote side by side with the attorneys, like our PPM and operating agreement. I, I read every single line. I added it with them. Um, I went through step by step with the lender and learned in the process of, you know, how do you get qualified for a loan? Um, how does it work? You know, negotiating term sheets, uh, you know, um, self-managing them, lining up property management software, looking at the financials and the reports, all that stuff, the title, you know, even just closing title work, all that stuff, insurance. Um, I did it all. And uh, I had a, I had a partner sponsor that I'll be responsible in because I couldn't qualify on my own, but yeah, I what's did. What's awesome about know, that yeah. is that I didn't know that anybody actually um, has done one that small. I didn't realize that people did 12 unit syndication. Yeah, dude, it's so small. Insane. <laughs> they really don't it's really rare at that point you would normally jv um, yeah right and and that would make much more sense i didn't have someone at the time i could go to for i mean now it'd be one phone call i could get 200 grand from somebody but at the time it's like man who do i go to it wasn't gonna be family it wasn't so, i didn't have any friends with tons of money that trusted me at that point right so, so, so do you want to talk a little bit about the difference between a syndication and jv and kind of where that that line in the sand maybe and, and what and the JV means are. joint venture right JV means joint venture absolutely so uh key differences in, in a jv versus a syndication is uh in a jv you're typically having a small group of partners normally under four or five partners um and they're all going to be on the operating agreement typically in a similar position right and they're going to have ownership based on how much money they put in the deal um and, and a lot of times they have similar control. A syndication is a way where I raise, maybe raise that same amount of money, but from uh, normally a larger group of investors uh, and you sell shares in the deal. So these are limited partners we're bringing in. Um, and so, you know, if I'm raising even on a deal, nowadays we're raising $4 million on a deal. I might have 25 investors uh, that put in various amounts to add up to that 4 million bucks. And, uh, you know, they come in as limited partners and we have an operating agreement that says, you know, you are a limited partner, you get X amount or X ownership in the deal. You get X, you know, uh, fin the certain financial structure, maybe they get a base rate of return and a piece of equity, whatever it might be. Um, and so that separates it from uh, the sponsor on a syndication, uh, the general partner, as opposed to being a limited partner, the general partner is in control of the deal and makes the decisions. And so that's what I am is, is a general partner I raise money from limited partners or investors, passive investors. Um, and that's kind of the difference. Syndications normally people do on 30, 40, 50 plus units. It's, it's very common, 100 plus units. It's more rare to have JVs. Uh, but, you know, it, 
it depends on your structure. If you have one investor with 2 million bucks, they can put up all the money for a deal. Might as well JV instead of syndicating from 20 people. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So um, real quick. So first deal, second deal, you want to give us a few insights on deal number three? Yeah. So deal number three was crazy. And this actually, it's the deal that changed my entire life, put me on the map. Um, I sent a mailer to a guy who owned a billion dollars in real estate. He's a local Michigan um, investor developer. I think he owned like 3,500 apartments free and clear uh, on his own. No JVs. Yeah. No partners. He, He had developed hundreds of million in senior living. And so his focus had, and by the way, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's like, how do you, how do you get to that point? He started talk about, talk when, about life goals, right? Like, yeah, that's life it. goals, man. That's it. It's crazy. So, you know, millions of dollars passive income every month. Um, yeah. And so this guy uh, started when he was in his 20s with nothing. And so I sent him a mailer uh, and said, hey, I want to buy your apartment building. It was 96 units um, in a B market in Michigan. And it was his oldest and smallest property. Everything he owned was newer. Uh, and much bigger. And so this was not on his radar. He Jimmy, had, don't uh, you want that to be your problem? 96 <laughs> units is your smallest property? Hey, you know what? You know what's cool though? And I'm going to probably jump the gun on David here, but mm-hmm. doing that. So recognizing that you're, you're headed to talk to this billionaire, you're, you're marketing directly to him to try and buy his building. What people get hung up on is they think that people at that level are no longer real people when they're some <laughs> of the most down to earth people that you can talk to. Like they are typically yeah. super real. Um, yeah. It's the people who are more difficult to talk to that own less units that probably won't go too far in the game. Um, just from my perspective, but a lot of the wealthiest and most successful people are so easy to talk to. They're very real and they're willing to offer advice. And I would imagine that that probably sets you up for success on, deal number three. Oh, it totally did. I mean, he was 71 years old, but he's, you know, he's a deal junkie like me. And, 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 and when we talked, we built a relationship and he ended up selling it to me because he's like, look, you remind me of myself when I was your That's age. Yep. And, and it was a relationship. Right. And Absolutely. he liked my ambition. And I had told him, I was like, dude, I've only bought 24 units. I, I don't have the experience to buy this, but like, give me a shot and I'll prove it to you. Right. And, uh, and he did. Um, and he sold it to me below market value. He sold it to me for 4.2 million after I closed and to skip, you know, the rest of the story. But after I closed, I sat down with him for lunch and I said, why'd you sell it to me for 4.2? You could have probably gotten like four, eight easily. And he's like, you know, Dave, I didn't, you know, I didn't really need the extra couple hundred thousand dollars. I just liked working with you. And to me, that blew my mind. (laughs) It's like, it made zero sense. Um, but, but at the same time, it made a ton of sense and it taught me that relationships are everything in this business. Absolutely. And, and, and he liked how I worked with honesty and and integrity. And there are several examples that came up during what we were under contract where he, you know, he liked that and he worked with me and I actually just treated him as a mentor along the way. When I had trouble buying his property, normally it's like buyer versus seller and you've got brokers in the middle, you got attorneys in the middle. And it's like, you're just firing back, you know, firing back at each other all the time. Um, with this guy, like I had a problem come up, I would call him and ask him for advice on how to buy his own property. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. it was nice. super interesting, uh, super interesting the way I, I set it up with him. And, um, yeah, I just, it ended up working out well. But I, I really like what you're talking about there too, is just being open and honest. I think that's going to lead you to levels more success in the real estate game than people recognize mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah, I would agree so this- with you. This person you were buying from, did he become uh, your mentor after this or did you end up having, uh, now you own Obsidian Capital. 
is this a different uh, guy that runs that with you, co-founder? No, no. So, uh, so Obsidian, you mean different than when I first bought this property? I'm saying the men. Well, yeah, that too. But um, I know you're okay. So, you have a yeah, mentor. So the guy I, yeah, the guy I bought this from. He's no, he's not a business partner of mine. He's a mentor of mine. And um, you know, I'll call him up every couple months and we'll chat a little bit. But uh, my current business partner, um, I found through Rod Cleef's mastermind, and we own Obsidian together. Awesome. Yeah. Love Rod Cleef. Yeah, great guy. That's that's where we we met at the Baltimore conference. Absolutely. Frank. So good stuff. Talk about, so talk about maybe, maybe it's worth a couple minutes to talk about seminar and, and networking successfully at a seminar or conference conference, just because it, it seems like you've done that in front of your partner at Obsidian. So um, maybe talk about that process, what brought you out to, to check out a conference and what led you to success and networking. Dude, I mean, it's, so I really didn't go to many conferences when I first started. I had, I had bought about, 120 units, the 12, 12 and the 96. And then you know, it was about $7 million in real estate before I even graduated college. So I didn't have time to go to any seminars. I was like, I was literally working all the time. I was going to class all the time. I would work from 8 a.m. till four. I would go to class five to nine and I would work 9.30 to midnight every single day without fail. I would take Sundays off. And that's literally my, that was my life for, you know, two years. Um, see, see that, and that's that gangster shit that I was talking about at the beginning, dude, right? Some gangster <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then when people, the first thing people, I, I tell people, they're like, "How do I get? How do I do it? You've done or get in this business?" I'm like, "Dude, get ready to work your ass off. Put in the and work. Yeah. Whatever absolutely. you think working your ass off means, times that by ten, and then do that, <laughs> because it's certainly not easy. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, seminars and conferences, I literally talk to everybody and anybody. I think I, I, my goal is building long-term relationships, finding people that, you know, I can help out and give back to, uh, and then, you know, uh, people that might be able to help me. Right. And so it's just finding synergies with certain people and making friends. And so, uh, that's one of the biggest things now is I, I look at it less of just business relationships, more of like, you know, how many friends can I make at this conference? Because I only do business with people I'm friends with. I don't do business with people I'm not friends with. And Absolutely. I'm only friends with good people, right? That carry the same values and ethics that I have. So um, that's my philosophy. I think on networking and, and business relationships. I love that on multiple levels. And that's like Frank talks about with his partnerships as well. Um, I'm, I hear all of that loud and clear and I agree with all of it. Yeah. And I think a lot, I mean, so I learned, I learned who not to partner with. I, had, <laughs> I My first person I partnered with on these three first three deals was the guy that, you know, I would not do business with, right? Because it, it, we just learned we just had different values and different morals and ethics and different levels of integrity. And so um, a good experience in, in, in who not to work with. Uh, and that led me to my current business partner who is just embodies everything that I look for. And, you know, on the side, he's also owned over almost 5,000 apartments. So he's extremely experienced and he's twice my age and he's just a rock star. Huge. Nice. So. So where's your portfolio now? Like where are you at in terms of size, number of units, uh, maybe value in terms, I'm just trying to <clears throat> gain the sure. audience kind of a perspective on size and scale. Four or five yeah, years. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it's been three, I started in like December of 2016. So it's almost been three years. I've bought uh, just around $50 million in projects as a key principal. Awesome. Um, and <laughs> Uh, it's close to 600 apartments. 
that's amazing that's all great yeah. stuff <clears throat> yeah and i'm doing some developments now too so part of that is you know we're doing about a seven million dollar 50 unit development ground up deal here in austin texas so are you going to syndicate that or not we are yeah yeah well i mean i'd like to jv it it depends we, we've got we're you know we'll have the money raised by the end of the year one way or another but i've got some jv options and then the, we might potentially syndicate as well so gotcha, gotcha. we got to talk about that i've been i've been following you on that one even if i don't invest on that's that one. right you do want to yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll most likely end up syndicating it um i think it'll be accredited only i'm, I'm not sure i, I need that's to talk with our attorneys a little bit more that's not a problem. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you know, that that's probably what we're going to end up doing is a uh, 506C. So all this um, research and all this work that you've put in, uh, you actually have a way to help out others uh, with that deal analyzer. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So after doing all this investment banking and internships and whatnot in college, I got really good at Excel and I'm a total numbers nerd. So um, I put together just it started from scratch and I just grew and grew and grew and I've created over time in the past three years, this uh, multifamily analyzer. Um, yes. And I have one on my website that people can download for free. It's a simple one. And then the more complex, the full version uh, is 250 bucks and you can buy there. I have a guide and some videos that show you how to use it. Um, and I've had uh, several hundred people this year, um, you know, buy that and, you know, almost thousand plus people download the free version and, and they just love it. So um, something I never thought I'd be selling, but people came to me and were like, dude, I got to buy this. I was like, that's, that's awesome. That. <laughs> I'm actually looking at a uh, GP deal in Idaho and uh, they're using, uh, we're using your, uh, your analyzer. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. I'll yeah, get that's, funny off, off air. that's great. Yeah, please do. No, it's great seeing people use it. And I mean, I've, it's, it's purpose built for syndication. Like I've, I've only added things to it that have come up during my time using it that I needed to add to make my life easier. So they're they're like, nothing you know extra. Dave? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, That's I know awesome. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, part of me helping people out is like educating people and, and especially inspiring other entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs that my dumb ass can do this. Anybody can. <laughs> Dude, it just nice. takes a lot of hard work. <laughs> Nice. So that, and then, that's a perfect segue, though, um, right. to the next topic I want to talk about, which is uh, you giving back and all the different things that you're doing. Uh, why don't yeah. you tell everybody where you were last week? Oh, man. So this is crazy. I was in Guatemala for seven days, and I, went, I brought my business partner with me. A couple of friends invited me to go on this trek with them. And we uh, essentially raised between, I think our group was like 15 people. We raised $40,000. Um from uh, people that wanted to give, also give back. And we uh, built a school for a, a small village who had way more kids than they had classrooms. And they, you know, they, have, they struggle educating uh, these young kids because there's just not enough room for them. And so we went and built a, we literally built a school. We went and dug the foundation and, and um, the supports and, you know, put that all together and then we were only there for a week, so now uh, the rest of it will be done over the next month or so. They have contractors coming in that will finish it up. Uh, but we got to spend time with them. You know, we lived in really, really uh, basic, rough living conditions, pretty much no electricity, uh, no flushing toilets, right? Like a little water spout with cold water for a shower um, and, and just eating what they ate, living where they lived, uh, learning the dial, you know, is all uh, Spanish. So 
Um, a couple people in our group were, were fluent, but the rest of us kind of just know a few words to get by. So it's just awesome. I mean, meeting the people and giving back, that's a big part of my, my purpose. That is amazing. Uh, do you plan on doing that every year or, or what? Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to go back. So I'll probably do one a year. Continue doing it. Um, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I love that stuff. And I think the biggest part about the Guatemala trip is it really gives you an appreciation for what you have and where you've come from. Right. Holy shit. Um, dude. I mean, just, like it totally does perspective, so much perspective. I mean, we have, we have everything we need and way more here in America. Um, and you know, it's just so much excess and, and there's so many people that just don't have that or any opportunity. So, yeah, I think, I mean, giving back is great and I, I love it cause I'm a huge believer in the secret and, um, that, that, that's a part of that. Um, but being able to go down there and just gain a better perspective on life and realizing how fortunate we all are is huge. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. So, uh, as we start thinking about the end of the podcast, one of the things that we always ask, we, we have two different questions. Um, the first one is if, uh, someone wants to become a better investor, uh, what would you recommend they do right now in real estate? Learn the numbers. Uh, if, if you're a numbers person, great, get better at it. If you're not a numbers person, you, you better become one because uh, so much, especially in what I do in commercial real estate and multifamily, is so much dependent on uh, the quantitative aspect and the numbers of these deals. And if you understand the numbers, you will have a very powerful tool in your tool belt. Oh yeah. And that's honestly, it's all about checking the emotion at the door. Right. I feel Dude, yeah. like on the smaller multifamily deals, like people let emotion get in the way far too often rather than relying on the established process or, or looking at the numbers. Um, so that's great advice. Check emotion at the door. Love that because it is not an emotional business. Uh, just because, just because you like a deal, uh, does not mean it's a good deal. Right? right. And, and I think a solution to that is don't just look at one deal because people tend to get emotional when they're only looking at like one or two deals, look at a lot yeah. of deals, have a full pipeline and know the numbers and stick to your guidelines. You're never going to get emotional. We so have a that, pair of uh, great students and, uh, I talk about that all the time with deal flow. If you have deal flow, you have nothing to worry about. Yep. Dude, if you have deal flow, yeah, I, I get, I feel like I'm a better negotiator. The more deals I have, I'm not looking, you know, I don't need to make one deal work. So, right. you know, if somebody's not at the price I need to be at, like, see you later, moving on to the next one. Absolutely. There's, that's the golden nugget of the podcast right there. Just to recap, um, having that deal flow. Dude, I've heard a few, by the way, I've heard a few big ones from them. That, that, that's <laughs> my favorite so far. I like that one. Good. So uh, one another question we always ask, uh, are you much of a reader, by the way? Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. Right. Uh, what would you recommend uh, for a book that you've uh, read recently, something that, that should most people should be reading right now for real estate? So it's not a – well, okay. So I, I guess it doesn't I have, have to be books. real estate related. But yeah. I, so real estate specific book, I really like a book called Trump Strategies for Real Estate Investing. It was written by a guy named George Ross. He is uh, – uh, well, was Donald Trump's – top attorney and uh, VP of the Trump organization for 37 years, I believe. And he helped structure billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of deals uh, in New York and for a bunch of other real estate players there. So he, he, that book, 
Trump strategies for real estate investing. He takes all these strategies they used uh, and examples they've used on big deals and he, he helps apply it to smaller investors. And it's very tactical. And I like all the little tips and negotiation ideas that I get out of it. Um, non-real estate book uh, called Never Split the Difference by uh, Chris yeah. Voss. And I've one. read it seven times and it is the number one negotiation book in the world. It is the best. Um, I love that book and I will continue reading it over and over again. So, nice. Nice. yeah. Jimmy, you love that book too, don't you? I did. I had a great time reading that book. Um, I think that it, yeah. I think that it breaks some of the stigma around like how you're taught to negotiate in business school that doesn't necessarily work in most settings. And I think it gives a lot of good real life examples of how to effectively negotiate in a broader array of settings and have a higher level of success negotiating in general. So Dude, that totally was, does. That, was, that was a great book. <clears throat> yeah, it is a great book. I mean, it just, it really opens your mind to like, and gives you actual strategies and how to go into a conversation and, and actual things to say, right? Yes. Like one of his best lines is, is when somebody tells you something that's unreasonable, your response should be, well, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah. And he even tells you the way to say it and how to do it. Right. And, and, and I've used these tips and strategies and they are, they work. I'm, I'm right now going through a negotiation on a, uh, I'm buying like a luxury vacation rental um, and a cool off market deal. Uh, and I'm using all the strategies from his book and it's working like deals. The, the lady's gone with, tried to go with somebody else. It came back around to me. Like it's, it's perfect. So, um, you know, you just, you gotta read that book. My favorite tidbit out of out of the book was the late night DJ voice <clears throat> and how you have to use a late night DJ voice to kind of control the conversation or make calm. And uh, after reading that, <clears throat> I brought it up to my partner in my property management business and he goes, dude, you already do that. I'm like, oh, that's, you already that's do pretty that. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but awesome. um, totally yeah, true. the actual advice was phenomenal out of that book. So guys, uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Definitely have to pick that one up. I'm just loving this because uh, we've been bringing on a lot of my connections and friends and every single one of these, Jimmy's loving these podcasts, all these tips and everything else. Oh yeah. Oh, I, this, this was a great one. This was we definitely get a great one. Jimmy out here networking more. <laughs> yeah, man. I better see you at some events coming up here. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely, we'll, uh, we'll have to figure out the next one and then uh, we can go out and have some fun for sure. Heck yeah. That's awesome. So uh, we hope, we hope that you guys enjoyed the cat this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast. Um, in between time, if you want to check us out, we post daily content to Instagram under the handle the Cashflow Kings, and feel free to check out the content on our website at cashflowkings.com. David, I know that you're a big Instagram guy as well. Um, if somebody wants to track you down on Instagram, what's the best way to find you? Yeah, you can find me. Uh, search David Tupin, or you can search Real Estate Jedi. Awesome. So guys, go and check out David on Instagram. Uh, give him a follow. Check out his content. It's really solid. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Cheers to your success. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. The Cashflow Kings podcast for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to making any financial decisions.